building a church for generations. That's the vision of our church and it has been for now over 30 years, building a church for generations, building a church that will last for generations, building hope, building joy, building community, building salvation, building all these things for generations so that it won't just end with us. When I was a child, um, I remember uh, I'm the youngest of four. And I remember when we wanted to go down to the play park, we would ask my mum, mum, my sister and I would ask her, can we go down to the play park? And she would always say, yes, she could do that. But then there was a couple of things she said. And the first thing she would say to us is, stay together, stay together. And then she would always bookend it with, don't get separated. And today I want to talk about don't get separated. Because being separated has a meaning. What does goal, what does don't get separated mean? The first thing as I see is it means this, you're safer together. There's something very important that when you're telling your children, I've got two children as well, if I let them go off to an area that maybe I couldn't have eyeballs on them, maybe they were going around a corner or they were going to a play park where, where the parent can't see what the children are doing. The, children, the, the parents are already calculating, how can I make sure that I allow them to stretch their wings, but how can I make sure that they're safe? How can I make sure that nothing bad happens to them? Well, it's always better when you send them with their sibling and then tell them you're safer together. Don't get separated. The second thing I've, I learned from this is that if you're safer together, then you're being told to look after one another. Watch out for your brother, watch out for your sister. You're safer together, but that means you actually have to look out for one another because there's a third thing to this meaning of don't get separated. And it's this, dangers prey on the isolated and the vulnerable. Now, we could talk about creepy things where there are dangerous people, but there's also dangerous animals. There's dangerous situations. There's cars. And when we look out for one another, we can help each other who are maybe vulnerable or, or maybe isolated to avoid those cars, those creepy people or those dangerous animals. We can become much more safeguarded if we are looked after by one another. But the last one is this, is that when you pay attention, you must pay attention to where you are and where the other person is at. You have to pay attention to where you're standing in correlation to where your brother or your sister is. This is an important point that I really want to bring up today because one of the things that I've noticed since the lockdown is that many people have really been going through different challenges. They've been going through a lot of different external and internal challenges. External challenges like some of you have lost your jobs right now. Some of you have, uh, have gone through, your relationships are going through stresses and we're, we're, we're making extra prayers for you. Stay-at-home mothers actually have to school your children at home and you're about to nearly kill them. You're about to, you're about to, you know, I get the frustrations we've been going through ourselves at home. And, and these are difficult times. Indeed, some of you lost your job. Some of you are going through stressed relationships. Some of you have even lost respect for some of your friends. You saw that some of the things that they're saying on Facebook and, and now you're upset at some of the things that they have said. Maybe you're watching things on Facebook or, or you're seeing people who are not following the rules in the way that you want to follow the rules yourself. And these are external pressures and difficulties you're going through. But some of us are even going through internal pressures and stresses. We're going through a challenge of the state of our mind. We're going through heavy hearts. Maybe some of you have gone through really bad days where you're going through different 
different depressions. And I've had the privilege of speaking with some of you. And these have been difficult times for us. There are many of us who absolutely, it's no problem. It's no big deal. They love staying home. They love, love being able to work from home. This isn't a problem at all. But for many of you, it really has been a challenge. And I wonder sometimes if maybe some of you are even asking the question of, well, why would God let this happen? But here's the thing. God has never said that we will have everything hunky-dory. In fact, He told us, Jesus said that we'll go through trials, through tribulations and through temptations. And those things would actually come our way. We're not exempt from challenging times. We're not exempt from difficult times. Yet His promise has been this, that He will never leave us or forsake us. Matthew 28 says that. He will never leave us or forsake us. Then why are some of us going through stresses and difficulties that make us feel like we are alone? That maybe Jesus isn't as close as we hoped that he would be. Well, today I want to suggest to you three different things that, that you probably heard me say many different times. You've, you've, you've heard me say this before. There are three ways three ways that we hear God speak to us. And the first one is this. It's through the Word of God. It's through the Word of God. Psalm 119.105 says this, reading from the message. By your words, I can see where I am going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. Some of you have probably heard it in the old King James Version. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. When I was a teenager, I trained to become a, a mountaineer and an orienteer. And that means that someone who actually goes up into the mountains and you learn how to survive in the mountains, you learn how to navigate the mountains with just a map and a compass and not really knowing where you're going. And one of the things they taught you and it actually happened to us is one of the things they taught you was if you get caught in darkness or you get caught in a snowstorm or you get caught in fog, which actually happened to us, they said, you won't be able to know where you're going. So you have to pay attention. You have to rely on the skills that you've been given and rely on the tools that you've been given. We'd have a little compass and a, and a map on our hands and we take it on, on a plastic sleeve and we take our compass on top of it and we decide which direction did we actually have to now go. We wouldn't be able to see where we were going, but we had to rely on the tools that we were given and rely on those that were with us. And so what you would do is you would send someone just 10 feet or 20 feet or 30 feet in front of you just before they're out of sight. And then you would say, stop. And then when they were lined up to the direction that you needed to go to with the compass, then you would say, okay, I'm coming to you. And you'd walk to them. You would allow that, 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 that push and pull of the distance between you, but you would keep communicating with one another. You keep talking, you keep speaking out. And I believe that that's very much like what this scripture is saying, that God's word is like a voice that cries out to us. It keeps telling us, no, 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 not that way, this way. No, turn a little bit to the left, turn a little bit to the right. It gives us constant instruction on how to keep being connected to God and not going down the wrong path. This is why we must meditate. This is why we must read. This is why we must spend time chewing on the word of God. Don't meditate on the news. Don't meditate on your Facebook feed. Don't meditate on conspiracy theories or what the government is saying or not saying. Trust in the Word of God. 
I'm not saying ignore all the news. You can listen to that stuff, but don't meditate on those things because they are not a light unto your feet. The word of God says God's word is a light unto our feet. Here's the second thing. The second way that we, be, we keep ourselves connected to goodness and to the presence of God is through the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. In John 16, 13, Jesus said to his disciples, but when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Let's say it again. When he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. What does that mean? We need truth. And Jesus told us that the truth will set us free, right? The truth will set us free. Not conspiracy theories, not, not ideas of, I wonder if this is right, I wonder if that's right. Ha, huh, I don't like those people. I don't like that opinion. No, 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 no. The truth will set us free. And so we have to decide, where does that truth come from? In order to be able to hear that truth, we not only have to read about it, but actually we need to speak to someone who can tell us about that truth. And I believe that's the Spirit of God. You see, Jesus said he wouldn't leave us or forsake us. And he said that he would give us the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I believe that's why we need to take time to treat him as a person, to treat him as the one who can give us the words of the Father. We have to actually speak to him like we have an actual relationship. I would encourage you to go for a walk with God every day, to go and speak with God. Whichever way that it is that you can spend time with God, go and spend some time, tell him your heart, speak to him. It's important that children feel like they're being heard by their father when you don't feel like that you have the heart of your father, when you don't feel like that you're being heard by your father, when you don't, listen now, when you don't hear the voice of the father, I believe it brings you a sense of loss of safety. Usually, psychologically, we know this, that when children grow up with a father and often a mother that is speaking into them, but especially a father that is absent in their life, they don't have that voice that gives them confidence because I firmly believe this, that a father tends to determine what you think about yourself and your mother tends to determine what you feel about yourself. And when you don't have that voice speaking into you, telling you, you've got what it takes. Yes, you can do it. No, stop doing that. No, continue doing this. When you don't have that voice, you tend to start second guessing yourself. Your confidence starts to lower. And I've spoken to hundreds of people over the years, if not thousands who've said, yes, that's what I've struggled with. The voice of God, the voice of the Father gives us that confidence. Even the scripture tells us that whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, think on those things. I would say, talk about those things with the Father. It's important. That will keep you connected to the right and the good things. The last thing I want to get to, and this is the thing I really want to dig into. And that is, the third thing is the body of Christ. If you want to feel as deeply connected that you really want to feel to goodness, to the presence of God, you need firstly, the Word of God. And secondly, you need the Spirit of God. And thirdly, you need the body of Christ. Oh my gosh. Over the years, how many times I have heard 
from people who have said, I, I, I don't need to go to a church to feel God. I can go to the beach. That's true, you can. Very good. But let me tell you, there's something about the body of Christ that brings you the manifestation of Christ that you can't get by yourself by sitting on a beach. The scripture tells us this in 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 26, reading from the message, it says, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Did you see that? Continues on. Every part dependent on every other part. Dependent means we actually need every other part in the body. And Paul talks in this whole chapter, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about how there are lesser parts of the body and greater parts of the body, but how each part of the body is needed by each other. And he continues on, the parts we, me we mention and the parts that we don't mention, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the heart. And in the healing, if one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Now, I believe that our vision as being a church for generations isn't just talking about how long we want to last, but it's about who we need to be connected to. You see, I need to be connected to my brother on my left-hand side. I need, to be I need to be connected to my sister on my right-hand side. But I also need to be connected to those who have gone before me, those who are older, those of the, the older generation. I'm generation X. I need baby boomers in my life. But I also need the generation that's following me. I need Gen X. I need Gen Z or Gen iPhone or whatever they're called these days. We need them all to be together if we're truly going to see the fullness of the presence of God in our lives and in our church. But why do we need the body? Why, why do I need all these generations? Why do I need to, to be connected in such a way? Why is Paul telling us that the, that the body of Christ is like a physical body? Why do we need the body of Christ? Here's the first one I wanna suggest to you. And it's this, we need the body of Christ to exchange the healing blood of Christ. You see, if I take my hand and I chop it off and I let that hand just sit over there in the corner, that hand is not going to survive for long. Why? Because it's dependent on blood to be pumped from the body to the hand, right? If I, put, if I want this hand to live, blood must be pumping through this hand. If I want this ear to live, blood must be pumping through it. If I want these eyes to live, I want, if I want my leg to live, blood must pump to these extremities. And then when it goes to the extremity, it must be pumped back. It must be passed from the arm to the side, from the side to the leg. It must be, it must be passed from one part to the next in order to live. And I believe that's why the church is like, is called the body of Christ because the blood of Christ has to be pumped from one person to the next to the next. You see, when you cut yourself off from the body, I believe you cut yourself off from the life-giving blood of Jesus Christ. Peter, you're telling me that I can't go off by myself and I can't commune with God? Sure, you can. Absolutely, you can't. 
But you see, God has designed us where we need each other is what the scriptures say. And I believe that whatever blood of Christ, whatever revelation you have of God right now, you'll run dry from that. We need each other to start receiving the other things that God actually wants to tell us as well. You see, isolation was never our design. Communion and relationship was always our design. Even introverts need human interaction. You might say, oh, I don't like hanging out with people. You need people whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. Because I believe that isolation, I believe abandonment creates mental anguish. I believe it takes people to depression. And even scientists and doctors are now saying that after this whole coronavirus lockdown, they believe that there is going to be a huge influx of people looking for mental services, for, 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 for med medical mental services, whatever they call it, for help, for counseling, because they know it's been detrimental to the mindsets of many many people. But this is where I believe that the body of Christ also comes in. And that's the second reason of why we need the body of Christ. The first one is we need the body of Christ to exchange the healing blood of Christ. But the second one is this, we need the body of Christ to help soothe the soul. Seems interesting, isn't it? Why do am I saying to help soothe the soul? Well, you see, we're not just bodies, right? We know that. We're individuals made in the image of God, the imagio Deo. We're made in the image of God. And that is because we have a soul within us. We are not just bodies, but we are persons. Now, let me show you this. Why then do we need the body? Because the body has a direct effect on the soul. Have you ever gone for a massage? You ever gone and you get in there and someone just starts rubbing and they start pushing on the, the sore muscles and they're just pounding on that muscle and they're getting all that stress out. And oh, oh my gosh. You just get into that knot right there. And even though it's painful, you go, oh, it feels so good. And then you walk out and you just feel, oh, it's just so good. Maybe some of you do that with exercise. Maybe some of you do that with food and you're hungry and someone makes you a beautiful steak or a beautiful salad and you eat it and you just go, oh, it just tastes so good. It brings a certain sense of communion, a certain sense of peace within you when you're able to taste something so good or, or maybe you get it through a concert, you get it through music and you just feel your soul coming alive or maybe you're someone that needs to touch someone else, you need a hug and you make yourself, you feel yourself, <coughs> excuse me, you feel yourself coming alive. All those things are physical, but they actually touch the soul. This is an interesting thing. Because these things are what Christ gave to us. He gave us the joy of the body. He gave us the ability to be able to soothe our souls. Now, if we do those things to the nth degree and we cut Christ out, we cut other people out, and then we only go into the nth degree of, say, addictions, then it becomes bad. But addictions are just the abuse of good things that God has already given us. The interesting thing is this. I only said it soothes the soul. I didn't say it saves the soul. You see, only the spirit that raised Christ from the dead can save our souls. But in the meantime, until our souls are completed in their salvation, I believe that the body of Christ 
bring soothing to our souls. Let me prove this to you. There's a story in the Old Testament where the first king of Israel is ruling over the people of God. But it says that he was disturbed by an evil spirit. Now, some, some, some theologians say, well, maybe it was just a bipolar condition. Maybe it was just deep depression. Maybe it was just deep anger or something. But whichever way you want to look at it, the Bible says it was a troubling spirit. And he said, go and find someone for me who can play an instrument to calm my soul. And so they came across David who would become the future King David of Israel. And it says that when David played the harp, I believe he summoned in the presence of God. And look at this, this is what it says. 1 Samuel 16, 23, it says, whenever the evil spirit from God bothered Saul, David would play his harp and Saul would relax and feel better and the evil spirit would go away. Today, I'm not here to discuss why would God allow Saul to have an evil spirit. In the same way, I'm not here to explain why some of you maybe even struggle with bipolar or depression or a troubling spirit or troubling thoughts or why did you have traumatic past? Why, why have you had PTSD in your life? I'm not here to answer that question today and I'm not entirely sure I could entirely answer that question. All I know is that God has allowed it. But I believe he has always given us a way of finding his presence. There's no presence. There's no, sorry, there's no depression. There is no PTSD. There is no traumatic past. There is no troubling spirit that can keep you from the presence of God. God has given us all the opportunity to get to his presence. And when we're not capable of doing it by ourselves, that's when we need to remind ourselves, stay connected to the body of Christ because that's where the life-giving blood of Jesus Christ is pumped from one person to you, to your heart, to raise your spirit, to believe that God will someday complete His deliverance of you and complete His salvation of your entire personhood. But note this, that it was worship, it was communion that brought about the presence of God. Let me say it again, it was worship and communion that brought about the presence of God that soothed his soul. The body of Christ should bring us the presence of God. I've had some very good friends who have been connected to the body of Christ and they've struggled with some difficult things. And then I've seen them become disconnected from the body of Christ and they've lost their faith and they've lost their way and they've lost their, 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 their belief and their hope, and they've lost their power to be able to pick themselves up by the bootstraps to the point where I've had friends, listen now, I've had friends who literally ended their lives because they felt it was absolutely hopeless. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the hope and he chooses to reveal himself through the word of God, through the spirit of God and through the body of Christ. I'm shouting out to you right now, don't get separated. Don't get separated. Stay connected. Stay in communion with the body of Christ. My challenge to you today is this. Can you admit that you need other people 
Can you admit that maybe you don't have all the truth? Can you admit that even maybe Jesus is not gonna show himself entirely to you and through you? But he will make sure that you need each other. Can you admit that maybe you need others? The second thing I wanna ask you is this. Can you admit that maybe you have a troubling spirit? You have troubling thoughts, you have a troubling depression, that you're going through a difficult time. It's not shameful to admit I don't know if I've got it all together. I don't know if I'm capable of coping with this by myself. It's amazing how far we go until the dominoes all fall and then we either get sick or we get broken or we, or we have to, something bad happens when we're finally ready to admit, I don't have it all together. Let's admit it now. Let's be done with that. Let's move past that. And today I want to ask you, I want to encourage you. I want to charge you. Don't get separated. Let me pray with you. Father God in heaven, we want to thank you for your spirit that talks to us, that we can have a conversation with. We thank you for your word that in a black and white page, we can see what you have done and what you're promising to do as well. And we can hope upon that. Father, you've given us something even more than that. You've given us each other. Forgive us, Father, for allowing ourselves to become separated, for allowing ourselves to, to think that maybe we're not loved, to think maybe no one needs us, or to think that I don't need them when the fact is I need the spleen, I need the ear, I need the leg, I need the toe. I need the tendon, I need the stomach, I need the liver, I need all of those parts for it to function properly. Maybe I can live without a leg, maybe I can live without an ear, but I will never function completely or properly without everything that you have designed to work together for good. Lord, forgive us for allowing ourselves to be stolen and for easily allowing ourselves to be troubled for not paying attention to where we're at. Forgive us for not even paying attention to where our brothers and our sisters are at. And we choose once again, we choose to be a church of generations, to be connected to my brother on my left, to my sister on my right, to the generation that's gone before me, in front of me, and to the generation that follows me. I choose to be connected to all of those, to receive the fullness of your presence. We love you guys. May God bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you.